What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for things that were rebooted, remade, sequelized, adapted, or otherwise unoriginal and uninspired. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is my co-host, Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And we are, once again, without much (laughs) new content as we enter... It's easier to just say months now. We're three months into the yeah. COVID-19 pandemic. We had some point. news of opening up theaters, but they have been cast aside as <laughs> cases continue to rise and yeah. spikes continue to mount and concerns of safety consider to continue to run rampant. And uh, that's it. Mulan yeah. and Tenet have been delayed again. Yeah. As we race to see who will open Amityville Beach first. <laughs> I feel like they're playing a cat and mouse game with each other. Like, you go first. No, you go first. And by all means, you. <laughs> well, we're now in such a weird place because all the theaters decided it was okay. The state of California decided, in air quotes, that it's okay. <laughs> and then the movies, the studios, who are trying so hard to get back to the theaters said no <laughs> which is smart and confusing smart. all at the same time because now i'm here like the theaters are like they put their their, their flag in the sand like we're coming back july 15th and now that there is nothing to come out with are they going to be like you know what never mind i'll see you guys in august <laughs> i think that's the plan i think we're just going <laughs> to keep moving this goalpost until everyone's safe which is exactly what we should do yeah um but of of course as this is often a show where we take a reboot or a remake and decide whether or not it was worth rebooting and remaking and what it contributes to the industry and to our society we cannot do that so instead we have a movie that is instead a frankenstein of other gary sanchez products and we'll talk about that in eurovision (laughs) the new will ferrow netflix movie about something that most Americans thought was made up until they saw this movie making fun of it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty it's pretty accurate. And let me tell you, as an American, I did not know about Eurovision. No, uh, I I think I finished this movie and I had to Google because I was confused as this movie was trying to be an outright comedy coming up with something and making fun of like the American Idol stuff, or if Eurovision actually existed and they were trying to spoof. Whichever way they were going, I don't think they succeeded either way, but I do think I can probably be a little bit more lenient to an extent if it's going the spoof way, which I had no idea of until after the film. Yeah, I guess it's been held in Italy since 1951. It was canceled this year, of course, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Uh, Ireland currently holds the record for the most histories. I'm not too sure beyond that. I'm seeing a lot of tweets that it is supposed to be like campy and fun and not, it's not really, you know, analogous to like our American Idol. I think it's more having a good time and being a little campy and corny. I think I could be wrong. I am making wild assumptions based (laughs) off of 10 or so tweets. Uh, but an assumption I will not make is that the movie is not very good. <laughs> what did you yeah. think of? 
Um, so about, <laughs> I'd say about 10 minutes in, I was like, this movie is not for me. And then I would say probably like about 25 minutes in, I was like, I could just be watching Blades of Glory, which this film pretty much beat for beat is just about a, one, a subject matter I, I know, and two, at a time where I think Will Ferrell was still funny. Yes. <laughs> All of the... Yeah, that was... The movie kicks off, of course, with Will Ferrell and his family, and we don't want to talk about his mom, and, oh, he doesn't have his dad's respect, and he's a talented child, but maybe not really, and then we have to flash forward to him trying to get his dad's respect, and he's like a one-hit wonder band with this with Rachel McAdams, who may or may not be his sister. I kept getting very confused by that joke. They have these just thick accents that come and go like the that, wind. Russell, that there, there's um, no rhyme or reason to those those accents. I'm like, you don't, you're not even trying in this scene. You're like, nope, I am not. I am Canadian. All right, Rachel, good shot. We're throwing in kind of a lot of weird mythology with these trolls that might not exist, that or elves, rather, that might not exist, and whether Will Ferrell believes in these elves, and it's very important to Rachel McAdams, and they have this one-hit wonder song in this bar, and then Will Ferrell gets very sad, and that's about 30 minutes into a movie that is far too long already. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, we've had this combo when we spoke about it in our corn stream, too. I, I, I personally don't think any comedy should ever hit the two-hour mark. Like, I don't think you're, t you're doing anything um, comedic, enough to justify going beyond i'd say the hour 45 personally but i'd say hour 55 you're stretching it two hours you're running your you're you're, you're you're running your wits in and i think when you're doing something that is so saturday night live sketchish as this is two hours is just you what why are we still here <laughs> i know that i kept asking myself that question this was like a <laughs> bad vacation <laughs> like <laughs> and it really lacked a lot of the early this is a gary sanchez production right i'm not making other brash assumptions about it i know uh, this was one of the last ones that he and um yeah it's gary sanchez it is great so it's one of the last ones before they're split Correct. and it, it's really you sort of are starting to get the sense that Will Ferrell said to Adam McKay, we've done enough of the political movies. And that Adam McKay said, Will Ferrell, we've done enough of you being center stage and the big doofus. And when those two things are separated, the big doofus cannot stand on its own. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later of kind of even historically how some of these Will Ferrell, Gary Sanchez movies, I think had a lot more meat on the bones than Eurovision did. And it, it just doesn't have any of that. We go through this hyper generic situation that never really kind of connects even in its comedy. I mean, even the inciting incident to get them in the contest where just everybody else dies in an explosion that's never explained is kind of played off for this, comedic effect that we should feel bad for this tragedy but at the same time it's good that we got in and i think there's comedy in that situation but they don't really they don't play it seriously like in other comedies that have that beat 
So it makes the whole thing feel very dated. It feels like a movie that would have existed in 2004, kind of the way we even treat like these constant penis jokes and dick jokes and these Greek statues with these huge floppy dicks and talking so often about like, Oh, I think the villain might have this giant penis. And yeah, that whole bit felt very like 2001 <laughs> to me. Yeah. There are a lot of moments in there. I, it was, it was twofold. I thought all the comedy was stale and old. And I also thought because they were going in and out of their accents, they, even as actors, I thought Rachel McAdams actually did put forth a solid performance. It's just nothing to work oh, with. But she is so committed to this role. She is. She <laughs> she's a darling. She's really, she's really good in this. It's just everything else around her fails her. But I think everybody, all the actors are trying so hard off and on with their accents that they can never actually even get into character themselves of what their what their actual character means because the first thing they're thinking about is these slocky uh uh, accents they're trying to put on. Dan Stevens, I I, I usually typically like him. <laughs> it's just for this movie, for some reason, I was like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, even kind of Will Ferrell's big, sticky, over-the-top nonsense isn't really coalescing the way it did back in, like, the Anchorman days or the Talladega Nights days or the yeah. um, semi-pro step-brothers. yeah. And part of that problem, to me at least, comes from there really was no and hasn't been a straight man in his movies in a really long time. Like, when you even look at, like, Anchorman, he had the news team that all had different personality bits and kind of different right. games, if you will, to who they were and what made them funny from, like, the ladies' man who's terrible at it to the over-the-top character in Champ to to Brick. and But all of that really worked because they bounced off of... Um, not Amy Adams. Amy Adams is in that. Yeah, that's... For the... For which Anchorman? For Anchorman. Uh, Applegate. Christina Applegate. Applegate. Christina Applegate. I'm sorry. It's been so long since I watched it. But they're <laughs> kind of bouncing off of her as this very grounded character. Hold on one minute. Pause. Sounded like somebody knocked, but they didn't. <laughs> but you have Christina Applegate as, as this very grounded character and uh, Chris Parnell and Fred Willard, and they're all kind of playing off of Will Ferrell and everybody else's ridiculousness, and it gives kind of a, a grounded sense to the movie and allows something to play off of it. I think as the movie's progressed, he's sort of, lost that character i mean even when you get to talladega nights he's big john c Riley is big sasha baron cohen is big but they still have their coach and the head of nascar who's sort of pulling it back to reality but with almost each movie he loses the straight man and with yeah. that kind of a bigger idea like i think anchorman 2 even for all of its faults which are just never ending uh, <laughs> still kind of at the core of it was really about creating the 24 hour news cycle and the 
evolution of media and news and why that was relevant. And even the first Anchorman was dealing with themes of sexism and change and ideas in the 70s that were getting old and stale and kind of getting over all of that. And it's something that's been in a lot of the movies when him and Adam McKay were or are working together that they seem to kind of fit into some sort of political or even historical idea, semi-pro kind of in the middle of it, having this idea of creating the alley-oop and bringing a team together and, and changing the sport. There's almost always been this overarching theme in these movies of changing the game that they're in and like coming together to evolve a system. And Eurovision doesn't have any of that. It has very generic characters. It has very generic jokes the villain's motive isn't really clear and it kind of is just this we exist here's this song competition i've realized that it it only ever wins when the song is about heart and honesty so i'm gonna let her sing the love song that she wrote about me end of story yeah i mean the villain's purpose and there's never like he he comes reveals himself and then completely it's irrelevant of whether or not that happened like you could have actually taken that scene out and it would have done nothing to the film because as a villain he had no effect one way or the other on any type of outcome and didn't introduce himself at any point earlier in the film you got a good point with the straight man stuff uh i mean i think i would say probably get hard and daddy's home the first one the second one once you start introducing all the fathers they just there's so many people doing different comedies but um I think with Get Hard, Kevin Hart actually was the straight man and for and Mark Wahlberg was for Daddy's Home. But those are like the last time you you get that. And, and it was cool to see that in something like Get Hard because it started dealing with like he had these visions of what he thought African-American people were or like what being tough was. And then Kevin Hart being a, a family man with, as a father kind of showed him like, no, we, we're, we're more than that. We, this is what we actually are. Then straight fast forward to something like this, when there are no straight men, and you get something how I, why my big issue that I had with the female Ghostbusters is that everybody's doing a version of comedy, and that's sort of what's happening here, and none of them mesh together. You're kind of just like, what are we doing? No one's it's on the same page here, and this all just feels like a mess. Yeah, and it, it's so funny because I don't, it's not like a mess in the traditional way of like the plot or story structure is messy because all of the beats are are so familiar to so many other areas. I mean, you have the guy who doesn't realize the girls into him and then the like stereotypical scenes where they wake up with other people, but no one actually had sex and which is also pulled right out of blades of glory. And I think that's where the messiness comes from in its execution of the setups and the jokes and the thematic ideas and these scenes and even the pacing. You've got these big musical numbers that just don't really connect at all. When you think about other kind of musical comedies or or movies that use music in them, like the Pitch Perfect series or Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, that also stop and have musical cues but aren't really musicals by definition they kind of move either the story or the comedy or the character along or are just good i think of the first pitch perfect scene and they've got the underground acapella scenes that have these like sort of try to recreate here (laughs) 
Yeah, but there's nothing, and I get that maybe Eurovision is a, is, isn't as antagonistic of a competition as other things are that they might be, but it right. really felt like even the villain was a good guy, and so when they do these big musical numbers, everyone is just like having a good time as if the movie just ended. There never really was a like rap battle scene, for lack right. of a better thing. There wasn't really a sense of... Like, oh, I'm going to go beat you in the underground and see what you can do. And everybody was just always like having fun. And even the people right. that you thought were sinister were like, well, no, actually, we didn't sleep together. We just talked about our feelings all night. So there never really was a sense of conflict oh, beyond right. Will Ferrell just being negligent. Yeah, yeah. And to piggyback on the songs thing, the thing that was really crazy to me is that you're right for some – I think because my brain just kept going back to Pitch Perfect, those first two I really enjoyed. When you do that, the musical numbers themselves, if they're not like redoing uh, a version of something that's already done a cappella, but in this, your your comedy should also come out of the lyrics that are in the song. So if the songs, one, aren't good or aren't funny, then my question then is why are they even here like i know that you're supposed to do this because it's eurovision but they're they're not moving the story they're not funny at all and they're just not good songs so all in all <laughs> you're kind of just like why are we doing this until the until rachel's song at the very end none of these songs are actually worth their salt and gold like at all yeah and you never got a sense as to why anybody won like their their first big victory after the catastrophe that is their set happens She's just sort of watching them all of a sudden get points. And I wasn't very clear if they were getting points because people found them endearing or if they were getting points because people realized they were actually really talented. They just had like a technical snafu that could have right. happened to anyone. Or if, you know, part of Eurovision is meant to be campy and corny and like, lo and behold, they were campy and corny the, by the very nature of right. existing which then kind of gets into the world building of it because I understand that Eurovision is a real event, but outside of that, I don't understand anything about it because it's not really part of American culture. And I think we'll get more into the oddities of us even producing this movie and yeah. in a minute. But because of that, the movie never really did its homework of explaining to me really what Eurovision is why it's super important overseas, who any of these cameos are, or if it is supposed to be like campy and silly, because then you could kind of have built out a story of somebody who wanted to be a serious singer, like fell into Eurovision and took it too seriously and then won because he's actually kind of an oaf. And <laughs> that's kind of a more interesting story, but the world building here is just so small like i i think about uh crazy rich asians when they kind of get into the game theory and these cultural games they're playing that aren't for me as a straight caucasian male who's never seen it but i fully understood that game and why it was relevant to that family in this i kind of i couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a parody of american idol or if they were parodying what eurovision is or if Eurovision, if you didn't do even like the like the smallest amount of homework, you probably could have watched this movie on Netflix and gone about your day being like Eurovision is a fake thing that they did for this movie. Right. 
Yeah. And I think the conceit should be on the director and writer to, even if I, if, if I go into a film and I have no idea what Eurovision is, I should in some way, when I'm done with it, have a better understanding of what it is. And I feel like this movie literally just used the, the uh, skin of Eurovision <laughs> taking the skeleton of Blades of Glory and just put the skin of Eurovision on it. Like, cool, that's all you need to have. Don't worry about us getting too in-depth with this. Well, that's also kind of where the movie really does hinder, is it's, it really feels like he's just doing the the watered-down version of the greatest hits from all of his other sports movies. I mean, you even have this kind of, this mythical note that exists, which is kind of from both Blades of Glory and Semi-Pro, and you have this... Yeah person that he doesn't really believe he's just stubborn to get through it and which has been kind of all of them except usually when he does it he's either a like washed up athlete who's really good or somebody who's like trying to make his name for himself this is kind of the first time where they've ever set him up to just be bad at it not good at it yeah (laughs) i didn't even really understand why that was a character choice to make because you just sort of had Anybody who was on his team punching him down and you kind of as an audience member start wondering, well, like, why am I invested in this? Because the villain is just saying how impossible it is. And especially with someone like Pierce Brosnan, his dad's character, like I had no real motivation as to why he stopped treating his son like a dick. Like there was nothing that was like that made me say oh, now I care about him. Like, he watched his son on TV. He didn't want to care about him. He was kissing somebody at the bar. He's like, your son's on TV, don't you care? He's like, I don't give a shit. And then they made him, like, get hurt. And it seemed like he was annoyed and portrayed. And, like, the reasoning that they gave is that, oh, you went back up there and you you dusted yourself off and got back up there. But I'm like, yeah, but he's still doing the thing that you've always said was the worst, like, was a joke and was one of the worst things ever. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't feel earned. Because you look right. at a movie that also has a oafish, silly character whose dad doesn't respect him and the mom's out of the picture and we're trying to earn dad's respect by doing the thing that dad doesn't respect, which was the first Zoolander movie. The sort right. of sea story of that was, you know, he has to go back to the coal mine and see his dad and his dad doesn't respect him and he thinks the male modeling is pointless and that his mom wouldn't care about him. And you never got... That arc was a lot better because in this movie, his dad kind of just shows up one day on this boat and tells him, oh, you did the thing that nobody could have done for our country and only you could do it. And now the country's famous, I I guess. Right. Where, you know, in Zoolander, it's a big televised climactic moment and Derek saves the world and the day and does all of these things and all you really need is that one moment where the dad is watching at the bar and is like, that's my son. I did it. I raised him. Oh, look at that. (laughs) And you don't get that in this movie. No, I also think it's really hard for an audience to get behind your main lead character when everything happens to him instead of him getting it himself. Like, he it's clear that he can't sing so we know that from the jump but then we just watch him fail upwards we watch the boat blow up so then he gets to move on he essentially fails at 
the performance and they still move on. So you're kind of like, well, then there's no, he can do no wrong. There's no, no rhyme or right or right or wrong reason for him to move on. So I don't really know why I'm watching this or why I should be invested. If nothing he does impacts what happens next. <laughs> right. Because even his moment of defeat, he wins. Had he just stayed there with Rachel McAdams, they would have gotten the points and moved on. And right. it's like, that's why I feel like the structure of this movie feels very 2003. It feels very dodgeball, very Anchorman, very Talladega Nights, very Zoolander, in that all of those movies kind of had a very serious turn where the hero really got defeated and had to look in the mirror. You spend like a good 15 minutes of the first Anchorman movie with him unshaven and failed and getting fat, and you feel yeah bad for him even though he really has to realize that he's an idiot and <laughs> right. you know in zoolander it's the whole movie he walks up and takes an award that's not his and spends most of the movie getting made fun of until he sort of comes back around these are moments where those kind of comedies took themselves seriously to build characters that worked and worlds that made sense and, and made it feel like it had tangible stakes. And because of that, the comedy was able to flourish. This feels like just a bit on a bit on a bit on a bit. And we just keep spiraling Will Ferrell up and up and up to the point that he wins the contest, but then just plays at home anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's weird because they, they didn't say that, like, I, again, because the rules are never actually explained to the audience. I guess you have to keep the same song throughout the entire time. So it was told to us at the audience that he'd lost, but because because she sang an original song or a different song, but that they won the audience and they won the world because she was. And But none of that really matters because arbitrarily when we cut off of the stage, we go to them just in the bar again. And you're like, oh, well, then nothing that we just did mattered one way or the other. This was just... A ro this at its heart stopped being a spoof. It was really a, a romance comedy somewhere in the middle that you decided to throw in on us because we weren't sure about that or when that started. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they kept hitting the same kind of jokes with that too of like, she's really into them, but they have to stay professional, but they might be related. And I uh, just, it all got so lost in the weeds. And, you know, if you're going to rip off your old movies, rip them off all the way. Right. <laughs> Where, where's my Amy Poehler and Wilf and Will Arnett in Blades of Glory just oh, being oh, this yes. crazy supervillain behind it? Where's the yeah. temptation of the main character to divide the team? Where's the conniving moments? Where's the Owen Wilson coming in to meet him in Zoolander? Where, where are all of these elements that made those other movies classics? It feels like they're watching YouTube videos of their best movies and going, remember those jokes, and then just <laughs> taking those out, putting them in, and forgetting that these were movies that had really good ethos and pathos, that you you cared about these arcs and these journeys. These movies didn't last because they were the funniest things on the planet. They lasted because you built real characters that came from things before that even. I mean, that was the same kind of, right before that was, Adam Sandler's kind of high point. And a lot of his yeah. characters had the same thing where he cares about this. Happy Gilmore cares about his mom and his coach and Billy Madison cares about things. And Mr. Deeds cares about the world. And 
these characters didn't work because they were idiots. These characters worked <laughs> because they were things that we could relate to and root for. And right. somewhere in Will Ferrell's catalog, he <laughs> lost all that. <laughs> yeah. I want to say it was around the campaign, which I still enjoyed, but definitely at like Get Hard, Zoolander 2, Daddy's Home 2. And every now and then when he's like a side character, now it works. The house kind of has those right. old moments I'm talking about, but Holmes and Watson was just awful. Oh, was Drunk Parents was just awful. This movie was not very good. Downhill was not very good. And it just, it's starting to feel like we're just kind of trying to like recapture a nostalgic moment where I feel like he's almost at the same place Adam Sandler is at now, where Adam Sandler will churn out these Netflix comedies that everyone's going to watch and they'll be number one in America. And I don't know who's watching it, but someone is. And then every now and then we get an uncut gems and I'm just waiting for Will Ferrell's uncut gems. I'm just yeah. waiting for the stranger than fiction too. Right. Where I, I can see, go. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's funny how Will Ferrell is known so much for comedy. I think Anchorman is probably still his best thing. And his, his appearance in old school is, is, is pretty, uh, pretty memorable too. But for me, I always, whenever they're like, what's your favorite Will Ferrell movie? I always go to Strangers in Fiction because I think it's his most honest, his most honest work. And um, it sucks that I don't think we'll ever, just the way that he's turning these out and these comedies are coming, I don't think we'll ever get to that point again. Downhill tried to be, it's, it's a little dramatic um, and it's not bad, but it, it just, no, it's it's, bad. It just it's hit okay. the mark. Yes, it's not bad, but um it's not stranger than fiction, but I, I I feel like for him, he might do better at doing some more dramedy or dramatic roles as opposed to this trapped in an old man's body kid mentality type of films that he's kind of been known for for so long. I think he's, I feel like he's kind of aged out of that he genre. Has it's time. <laughs> It's time for the, like, the This is 40 and the kind of movies yeah. that Judd Apatow makes. And I think when you even look at the landscape of comedy now, probably the best ones in recent years to me going backwards are, like, Good Boys, Booksmart, Blockers, Game Night. These are all kind of clever comedies, but that also boost up a demographic or area that we haven't really seen like yeah. good boys was very much super bad, but with elementary school kids, but frankly, just mm -hmm. having that point of view in that context is very different. You could say the same thing about book smart, but it, it's not the formulas I'm upset about. Like if you're going to do blades of glory again, really do blades of glory right. again, but change the POV to different actors of color or different genders or different sexualities or something right. else make the struggle a little bit deeper than that. The reason Booksmart resonated so well was because they took just people we hadn't seen in these roles that we had seen before. Mm -hmm. And suddenly what was old was new again. And Will right. Ferrell just kind of keeps hoping that what was old will just be new again by sheer force of will. I will shove this down your throat. <laughs> And that really kind of gets into, you know, I'm seeing a few tweets of people who are really going, I don't understand why America made this movie. And I am inclined to agree with them. 
because yeah, I will say this about Will Ferrell: at least previously, all the films made sense because he there's there was a niche audience for it. There's for Kicking and Screaming, there's a soccer audience for Semi Pro, there's a basketball audience, there's a hockey audience. Like he picked things, Talented Title Bag Knights, there's a huge NASCAR racing audience. He picked things that for American audiences made enough sense. I had never heard of this in this country. Now, I'm sure there are people who have, but I have not. And I would say that the majority of this country, this country, has not either. For Will Ferrell to be American, Rachel McAdams to be Canadian, and the majority of the team that's on here to be of American, uh, I don't know why they picked this as the new segue for their next comedy. Like, it just doesn't, the two things don't correlate or make sense to me. I know, and it's weird. I feel like the more we talk about diversity and punching up voices, the more we realize there are so many places where we're accidentally repeating those mistakes. And I don't know why it would have been that hard to find a writer or a director or a a not-American company in general to make this movie. And, yeah. and really get into why why it's relevant to their culture and why it's important to them and why it's historically been such a long-standing thing. And, you know, part of that comedy could be the absence of America in it. And you could have just made some, like, pop-punk band or hip-hop artist who really wants to get in but doesn't understand it and done a, <laughs> a stupid fish-out-of-water he doesn't get it. He doesn't belong. And that's where Will Ferrell would have shined. You could have just made right. him. You could have done it. Blades of Glory. He's the fallen rock star. The only way for him to get back is to go to is Europe to go and to do Eurovision. Eurovision. Yeah. And he's going to fail at it because he doesn't get it. But you know, maybe he'll get a new song out of it or, or something. Like, right. I, there was a way to do this that would have worked. And I feel like they took the most boring easy take that had no relevance to anything, which is really a shame because Adam McKay, when he was, you know, more prevalent in the company and in his projects did such a good job at infusing commentary into his comedies that would eventually bring him to things like the big short and vice. There really is kind of a lot of subtext in the first Anchorman. Like, that's a two-hour comedy that you don't really mind, but it really does get into the media and how competitive it is and hiding behind numbers and the, like, glass ceiling that we've put mm-hmm. up for people to break through that we're still trying to break through. And Anchorman 2 does it again with African-American communities yeah. and with the 24-hour news cycle. And it's not as good of a movie, but we at least like tried to say there's, something beyond like something just to be, yeah. repeating ourselves. And, you know, it just, it feels like maybe the rest of the people at that company would rather make like silly jokes. I also don't know whatever happened to the part of Gary Sanchez that was supposed to be the like female driven version of that and what happened to that voice and that effort. It feels like that was something they said they were going to do and then just kind of didn't. (laughs) Yeah. But who knows? It is, it is a bummer because I feel like there is still so much nostalgia for the great things that Will Ferrell did. And when he was a part of it and 
I don't know if the answer is as simple as kind of he needs to take a back seat and do more things like Chaz and Wedding Crashers or uh, old school, or if the solution is just completely take a back seat and just produce <laughs> and then help out or find yeah. your next more serious movie. I mean, there's plenty of stuff in production for him, including an esports movie, which I'm sure will just be this, but <laughs> with, with esports with the, as the backdrop. With the skin of esports. <laughs> and that's what we really need to get away from. Because when you sort of get into even the things he's EPing, like Dead to Me is a great show that he's behind. Succession is a great show that he's an executive producer on. There's Still so many, he was an executive producer on Booksmart. So he clearly understands yeah. some of the stuff that's happening and how to do it better. I don't know why we're fighting so hard on the laurels of what worked in 2003 when we could really be putting his brilliant comedic mind to things that he's already putting his mind to. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, and I feel like he he's... He's cornering 55, so he has to get to a point where he's just like, all right, I can't do this anymore. This, this, what I'm doing is no longer, one, physically I can't do it, but two, I, I should not mentally be at the point where these are the characters that I still want to play. You would hope that someone grows at some point over his 25 plus year career to be like, all right, let me try something different. Um, well, I... I would love to see him do something even almost like what Jerry Seinfeld did and do a comedians in cars. He has access to yeah. all of these brilliant historical minds. Like I would just listen to him talk to these people for a while. I yeah. I would as well. But and yeah. it's weird. Cause he's always had his, <clears throat> I think it's just him, what he is comfortable with because he's, he was, head or producer for funny or die like he's been around stuff that's always sort of had a pulse on it it's just the stuff that he chooses to do himself he's like nope this is what i do and this is what people know me by and this is what i'm going to stick with and I, 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 yeah. I don't get it it's just so funny to me that he'll be his name is on as a producer all of the things that i'm going this is what he should be doing so he's doing it <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's not doing it he's doing it yeah. But I get it. You know, Netflix calls you and is like, we'll throw money at you to do stuff that will make us number one for a while. You're going to be like, sure, I can sleepwalk through something with Rachel McAdams and piss off half of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. nothing else to do. Dead to me writes itself. It right. does not write itself. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know any of the writers. Maybe they're like, it's very simple. <laughs> but it's it's a shame. That's all it really is. A shame. Yeah, it is. And yet, I will probably keep going to his movies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't see, I never saw Daddy's Home 2. I still have not seen that one. Um, okay, you're right. I won't keep going to his movies because I didn't see that or Get Hard. Yeah, Get Hard is solid. He's... Look at the trailer for his movies and decide on the concept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly haven't seen a Will Ferrell movie since probably the first Daddy's Home. Like, I watched Get Hard and Daddy's Home, and then that's been it. No, I saw Anchorman 2. That came out after that, I believe. Um, but, like, the house one with Amy, I didn't see. The I house didn't is see, great. I didn't see uh, Holmes and Watson. And it's I, not great. I did... That one's real bad. 
<laughs> I did see downhill, but that wasn't a comp. That wasn't that was more of a dramedy. So I, that one doesn't really fit the mold that he normally does. And I actually, for the most part, did not hate that movie. It got I did not apart. like. <laughs> yeah, I said it got ripped apart, but I know. <laughs> did not care for it. <laughs> but yeah, like he's he's definitely um, he hasn't made anything that has drawn me in. Um, he's now living more on his name than than the actual content of his films, uh, and that sucks. Because I remember a day when you put Will Ferrell or Adam Sandler's name on a marquee, and that's going to be a good time, no matter what what the film's about. Right. I mean, it's. I mean, look, it's number. It finally beat The Floor Is Lava on Netflix, which so it's is doing something. Fun show makes is zero it? sense. I know the rules of the floor is lava. Get to the jumping. I don't need knockoff <laughs> Mark Summers talking about oh, how yeah. to avoid the goo on the floor. Yeah, I'm like just just let them jump over. We get it. We know what's going to happen here. Let's go. Should feel a lot more like Legends of the Hidden Temple. I don't know why we're not letting the kids who watch these great Nickelodeon shows show run these things. It's a great concept, but it was knocked <laughs> out by a Will Ferrell movie, so. There's clearly still an audience. <laughs> That's true. I don't know why. <laughs> I do know why. But I don't know. That's all I got. You got anything else to add or should we wrap it up? Let's get out. All right. Well, that's our show, guys. Thanks so much for stopping by. Um, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Hollywood already did it. On Twitter at Hollywood ADI, on Instagram at Hollywood Already Did It. I'm at As Always Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Uh, Terrence has a YouTube version of this that covers all the things that we don't cover here. It's on YouTube at Hollywood Already Did It. Him and I do another show called One More Drink about whatever we want it to be at the time. And I do another podcast called How Do You Figure? And you can find all of those on the great big place called the internet. And they will help you stay inside during, you know, the time we're in. You don't need to be reminded about it. You know what's going on. You, you read the news. You have Twitter. You're tuned in. We will see you guys next week. Later.